Hey everybody, welcome to the Chase Talks Hip Hop Podcast And I just want to say thank you to all my listeners And before anything happens, please like, subscribe, leave a 5 star review Show some love for your boy out here I appreciate everything, let's get into the show If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. These are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Thank you so much. My name is Chase. This is Chase Talks Hip Hop, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I would like to thank StereotypeCo.com for officially sponsoring the podcast and looking out for your boy, Chase. And I want to thank them for making awesome clothing, making great content, blogs, conducting awesome interviews. It's a really great platform, and I would love it if the Chase Talks Hip Hop family could extend an arm and meet up and please, please support StereotypeCo.com. The reason I support them so heavy is because they support me heavy and i appreciate everything that they do to look out for me i love the clothing i love uh, what dave noodles has done to build the company it's really something i can stand behind and i think it's something you should check out so please if you're tired of me talking about it click the link below and check out stereotypeco.com for awesome awesome content and awesome awesome merch thank you I think we might have stabilized everything. But how the fuck am I gonna follow this? Uh, 25 centimeter jam alive. Picking the lock, mama, look at me now. Broken with the chip and a smile. Landscape truck, I be whipping in style. Cutting the grass, I've been ripping the weeds. Triple entendre, I get like a fiend. Loads on the track, better come with the heat. Soaking the knowledge, I learn from elite lyricists to keep feeding the streets. Gold is a mentality, we keep shining. Popping the tape, if you're feeling this iron, Armstrong 9. Hey everyone, so in this podcast today, I'm going to be speaking to Ad AMA. This is part two of our conversation. We previously spoke earlier in the week for around 45 minutes. I was able to get that out on Monday, I believe. So if you're listening to this, uh, it should be Friday, Christmas Eve. Uh, So I would also like to say happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is you celebrate. I respect it. And I just want to show love to Ad AMA. If you are in the Dallas, Texas area, January 29th, go to the Big Big Show. I will have all the information down below with the links. Uh, we, we talk about it a lot in the podcast. And I respect Ad AMA for being an independent thinker, a great leader. He's performing. He's managing this whole event. It has fashion, dance, stand-up comedy, games, participation, a fashion show, an art gallery. It really packs a punch. So listen, don't fucking wait. Go support my boy Ad AMA. Check it out. Listen to this podcast. Show love. Follow him on social media. Click the links below. Do all the above. And remember, like, subscribe, check out more of my podcasts, etc. I got more music dropping. The world is a-changing, and I appreciate everything. Thank you guys for listening. Can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm happy you're back. We can get into part two of this conversation. 
Um, we were really deep in the first half, but I really just want to pass it to you and um, just ask about everything that you've been cooking up lately. And uh, you told me that you have some shows. I also saw on your Instagram that you have some shows lined up. So I just want to ask you about everything you have going on. Yeah, I got some shows coming up pretty soon. Um, some shows that I'm putting on and some shows that I'm doing uh, pretty much between Dallas and Houston in the next, you know, uh, couple months, like uh, between this time and the end of January. But at the end of January is a show that I've been cultivating called uh, The Big Big Show. And basically what it is is it's like a – it's a bunch of different types of mediums of entertainment where local artists can just come together and express themselves, not only for people who, you know, really mess with them and mess with their music, but for like a new audience that can not only vibe with the people they came to see, but vibe with the artists that's actually on stage at the time. So, you know, everybody can just network, grow and progress together because we all going up together. And, uh, <clears throat> We have music, comedy, spoken word. We're having a fashion show. We have an art gallery. Um, we have backstage interviews for, like, all creatives in attendance, like not even just the ones that are on stage, but if you're, like, someone who does something and you're in the audience, we want to hear from you too because it's all about promoting creativity and self-expression. And, um, you know, it's been getting better and better with each and every show. So... We just keep pushing and moving forward and going up, and that's what the Big Big Show is all about. January 29th, we're doing this shit again, Volume 3, about to go all the way up, all the way up. That's what, what I is. love, too, about what you're, what you're doing is you're, you're including damn near every art form that you can think of. Like, with, I mean, mm-hmm. that's like what, you're covering music, stand-up, spoken word poetry. You're doing fashion. Um, you're covering oh, and and art. You have an art gallery, so it's like you're covering so many bases, and that's what I really like uh, about about what you do because you're not just trying to elevate yourself. You want to see everyone else elevate, and I think that's a much healthier attitude. And I think what you're doing is actually an example of how artists could uh, come together and just be more productive instead of being overly competitive or divisive. You know, it really opens up a lot of opportunity for everybody when we choose to put that bullshit aside. And it's really cool to see that. Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, it not only helps the people around you, but it helps you too, because it helps you make connections. It helps you form relationships that you can use in the future. And it also helps you elevate your own brand because while you're going hard elevating theirs, naturally they're going to reciprocate um, and elevate yours. And that's, like I said, that's what the show's all about. Wow. You know, and I, I want to ask you. So this is your your third one. What was it like when you uh when you first put it together, and how do you do you feel like it's uh progressed? And and from each time that you've done it, like have you tweaked anything, or have you just just or just has it just grown exponentially? Because I think it's really cool just to see all the bases you're covering, and it's it's just really dope. Yeah. Um. Well. It all kind of started with me doing music shows, right? Because, you know, I'm a musical artist myself. And, I mean, I had done shows for other people, but I also kind of wanted to have more control over, like, you know, when I performed, uh, how many songs I performed, you know, the venue. And so I just kind of was like, I'll just do it myself. 
Like I just I'll just start hosting my own shows, and I'll I'll bring some artists that I know along with me. Like when I do the show, so we'll have like a whole uh you know set list. It won't even have to just be me. It'll be other people too. So that way they bring their audience. I have my audience. We all you know get together, and the crowd gets exposed to different forms of artistry and different people. And once again, that chain and that networking um, atmosphere kind of just lends itself to the situation, you know, because it's not even formal. It's just a vibe. The whole thing's just a vibe. And when you're open and in a creative space, then ideas just naturally start to flow. So um, we started out doing it at like a, record stores. I started out at record stores. This was before COVID happened. And it was just music. It was just music. So it was just uh, musical shows. Um, and I only got to do a handful of those before COVID happened and, and hit. And, uh, you know, venues weren't really doing anything uh, at the time. This was probably back in like March. So venues weren't really doing much. They kind of wanted to shut everything down which is understandable. So I was thinking to myself, well, what am I going to do? Because I just started doing these shows and they're going well and I like to keep them going. But, you know, health and safety is also a concern. So what I did is I started doing secret shows, invite-only secret shows, limited capacity at my house. And that's where the idea of adding more elements of entertainment came into play because – Every time I've done a show, I always want to do it differently. I don't want it to be the same thing, and I don't want it to to be, you know, not no no diss to anybody else who ever does shows or anything. But I don't just don't want it to be a bunch of random people jumping on stage like screaming and hollering. I don't want that. I want an actual cultivated vibe and a memory to be created because it's all about memories, really. It's about when that person leaves thinking, man. I haven't been to something like this before. I haven't seen something like this before. Like, I haven't really experienced what I just saw before. It's a whole bunch of different elements in assorted a, a, a in a certain way to where it gives me a distinct memory. And any time I look at anything associated with that show or with that brand, if you will, I'm going to remember that distinct memory I had when I experienced what they put on. And, and that's that that's what led me to add more elements to the show. So <clears throat> for the first secret show that I did, it was at my house and I had music, comedy, spoken word. Um and that's how it that's how it was pretty much for each one of those. Then when stuff started to open back up a little bit and I got in contact with this guy who owns a warehouse out in Addison. He does really cool shit. His his, his place is called Royal Lane Studios. If you're ever in Dallas, uh, go to Royal Lane Studios, bro. Just check it out. It's a sight to see. Um, you know, he's had some pretty big names come through there too. So it, it's definitely it's definitely done up right. And so I knew that would be a great place to do the first, like, big, big show. And so I did it there. It was a great success. Uh, like I said, I added the music, the comedy, the spoken word. We had a fashion show this time because now we had more room to work with. We had an art gallery this time as well. We had, like, an interactive photo booth. We had, it was like a whole fucking vibe, bro. It was like a whole vibe. And the creativity and the self-expression was apparent, and that's why I feel like people really messed with it. 
and they wanted me to do another one. So I did another one, and now they want me to do another one. So I'm gonna do another, I'm just going to do another one. And I also have games I play with, like, the people, too. Like, we have this game I like to play called – I call it True Detective. Uh, it's kind of a knockoff Jimmy Fallon game, but it's really cool. It's just one of the examples. It's just, like, one of the examples of what we do, like, while the show is going on. So, like, uh, I'll have, like, maybe two, three artists go on and perform, and then after they're done, we'll just play a game to get to know them better, right? So basically how the game works is you have two cards. Each artist has two cards. One of them is the truth, and one of them is the lie. One of the other artists picks one of those two cards, and they have to read it out loud, and then we have to figure out if that card is a truth or a lie. And the improv of that whole game just gets the room to a different level, like a different level of understanding about the artist, uh, a different sense of openness because the crowd is participating. Like everything just lends to everybody connecting and everybody just having a good time and having a vibe and, and just, like I said, self-expression and creativity, that's the name of the game. So that's what it's about, man. That's what the big show is really – that's what we're doing on this side. For real. Everything I can I can picture it, and it makes me want to go to this uh, festival. That I mean, I, I mean to the show you're throwing. And the reason I say festival is because while you say this, I, dude, all I hear is this becoming bigger and just expanding. And That's I mean, I mean that gen, genuinely because the way you're cultivating this um this expression, this this artistic freedom, and you and and you you are you're also including the crowd. So you, you're you're building a different connection. I think that is a thing that's been missing, especially too, like with the change through COVID, I feel like you, you really, you, I think you had a, you must've rethought like some stuff. Yeah, and I feel like I everything that you said, it must've just, it just, it's springboards. And like, it's where you look at things where it's like, yeah, COVID sucks, but damn, the blessing is like, it gave you a chance to be like, no, nah, you know, yeah. fuck everyone else. I, I, this is not, I'm doing this shit my way, old school, like fuck what everyone yeah. else has to say. And I admire yeah. that, man. I just want to tip my hat off. It's just genuine interaction and creativity because I feel like sometimes that's hard to come by these days, especially when most of the content you see is on your phone. Like human interaction, ironically enough, given all of our connectivity, is starting to become more uh, few and far between because that genuine connection that you feel with somebody it's starting to become more artificial, more manufactured through the way that we um, interact with people nowadays because of social media. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like people really appreciate when you have a genuine face-to-face interaction with somebody or a spontaneous conversation in a great setting with the whole vibe going on. Like, people remember that stuff. And anything that lends to that will help create a distinct experience that people will want to come back to. So the big, big show, man. <laughs> no, dude, you're doing, you're doing it big. And, and dude, don't stop. Keep doing these shows dude, because I want to go to one. And I, oh, yeah. I, I think that it's, it's just a beautiful way to do things. And that's the thing. It, it's to me, I feel like what, what's beautiful about it is it's truly ethical. Like I, I've always taken issue where I, I've I've mean I've experienced it myself and I've seen it where shows aren't put together well or you right. know, it just it just doesn't the vibe it's just isn't a, right. It's just, 
it's just for it's just to just to do it just for like some some clout or a little bit of change or something but it's not it has to come from you want it to come from a place of like I said really wanting to cultivate or really planning and and being motivated by cultivating an experience to the people who are coming at the end of the day you that should be your main motivation is cultivating a memorable experience for the people who walk through the doors of whatever you're putting on. Like, if that's not your main motivation, then I don't know what your show's going to turn out like. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's real. I mean, that's very real. And I know just the thought of, of though, of, um, like, for everyone that you're, uh, you're bringing on the show, though, like, what's great is, for instance, like you give you get a chance for like a fashion designer to you know yeah. kind of get feedback, you know, and I and, I, and yeah. I think that's beautiful. Like you're giving them a chance to be exposed and to learn, and also just mm-hmm. just like see how like great they are. And I think that's that's an awesome thing. Exactly, you know, I'm learning too because like uh, I just took another thing that made me think about like how I go about things is like how I feel as an artist and how I felt performing at other people's shows and what I liked and, you know, what I didn't like. And, you know, you can take that with you. And that's a whole nother learning experience that you can uh, apply to what you're doing when, um, you know, you're planning your own stuff. So that's definitely something that stays with me as well. Definitely something that stays with me as well, for sure. And and I want to ask you, how do you balance uh, managing the show, promoting it, and at the same time headlining it? You know, that's a good question. Um, it's a, it's 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 just preparation, starting early. Don't do things at the last minute, you know. Like I've already po- started posting. I, I feel like I posted. I wanted to even post earlier than I have right now, but I mean, I still think it's within a good time frame. But you know, start promoting early. Start posting early. Start um, you know uh, before you even post anything, have a plan of action. Like, don't just think about one video or one way to promote. Think about multiple ways to promote. So when it becomes time for you to start promoting, you already know what you're going to do, you know? So you're not wasting time thinking about what you're going to do. You already know. You already have a game plan. Like, I low-key look at these things as, like, a battle, too. Like, as (laughs) as much as, like, I like the vibe and I want everything and, and, like, you know, it's all about positivity, but in my mind, it's also like a battle. Like, I'm planning to, like, put on a great show with a whole bunch of people. I got a squad with me. You know, I got my camera people. I got my DJs. We got the performers. You know, we got we got people who are, are ready to come out and support, like, that, that have already seen the first one. Now I consider them just part of the whole production, too, because they add a whole – they add energy. We got like a whole army behind us. And when we get on stage together, because it's not just me, it's not just the artist, it's also the crowd. When we're all together, like we in there, we, we turning shit up. We turning shit all the way to 11, all the way to 100, all the way to 300, whatever you want to call it. Like, so in my mind, I'm preparing for all that. Like, I got to have my plans together. I, I put my plans together so I can execute. So I think of it almost as like a, like a, a battle plan, like I'm rallying the troops, I'm getting ready to go, I'm getting everything in place, so we just gonna set that <clears throat> we're gonna set it off when it's time for the show to, you know, pop off like that. So I, I approach it in a way of you gotta prepare. 
Like, just make plans. You know what I'm saying? Because it's really not just about you. You want to put on a good show for the people that, that are coming through that door, so you need to plan and prepare to make sure things are going to run smoothly and the transitions between acts and between elements are going to interact in a way where it's seamless. Like, that's that's part of the preparation process, and that makes the show that much better. So, And that's, that's the thing, that's, too. Like, you planned everything, and, like, that's that's the beautiful, like, explanation of it, it, when you when you have the preparation, it really takes away a lot of the anxiety. I wanted to ask you that because I think, you know, as an artist, like, it, like you got to memorize your stuff. You got to make sure your shit is correct. And then you also got to make sure no one in the lineup falls out. You got to talk to them ahead of time. So I just really admire um, the, just the element of, like, how you plan ahead and um, just how it builds a great show. Because I had I had a friend tell me a story about how he went to a show to see Aziz Gibson. I'm not throwing him under the bus. I like Aziz Gibson's music. But apparently, uh-huh. like, the whole show was literally just openers, and they weren't good. Just a bunch of openers, right? Like, anybody probably from the high school in Portland yeah. or whatever. And then, wow. um, yeah, but he never showed up. So my friend just watched, like, bad openers the whole time for two hours. <laughs> That's another thing, like my, 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 uh, the performers I pick are cultivated too for the vibe. It's not really just anybody that, that's just going to hop up on stage. I don't necessarily just randomly pick people to just come, come perform. It's a cultivated vibe. But I, I do open it up towards the end for any creatives in the crowd. If they have a USB on them, they want to perform like one or two songs, like towards the end. You know, because, I, like I said, it's about creativity and self-expression. So if you are creative in the crowd, I also want to give you opportunity to be heard, whether it's through a backstage interview. If you're not a, like, performing artist, maybe you're an artist or maybe you sell clothes or maybe you do merch or whatever you do. You know, you can get an interview. If you're an artist and you have a USB on you towards the end, you, you might be able to get up on stage and do a little something, too, just so people can hear what you bring to the table and so people can see like the type of people who come to the show. Cause once again, that just lends to the vibe and the, the overall branding of, of honestly the show itself. So, um, yeah, it, it, it I feel like when you're planning a set list though, you want to plan it around like the vibe you want for your show, you know? Very true. Yeah. Very true. And, and too, like, I just, I'm always a, a big proponent of just independence and people just putting shit together. And, and this is just coming through like, like real shit. Like a lot of musicians, like we're not big on that kind of stuff. We really just kind of, if you, if you talk to most musicians, like, and, and I kind of f- fell in that line at one point, like there's this mentality of like, no, I just want to do my show, do this, this and that, focus on the music. But what I, what I really appreciate about you is everything you're doing it's it adds a another dimension to your music, another layer to who you are, and you doing conducting backstage interviews, like conducting this network with everybody, and you know building this this great um, area to be creative and get feedback. I think that that thing right there alone, it speaks volumes. And again, it's it's a huge differentiator compared to so much of what we what we're used to. Like, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are used to, like, be fair, just half-ass shit. And the fact mm-hmm. that you're you're coming through like that, man, that's, that's a, I really applaud that. And I just want to 
just like keep on saying that because like dude like like the horror stories you know I've heard are just like whack shit man but um yeah you know, like, there's a lot of whack shit going on. You know, there's oh, a lot of, I feel like there is a lot of whack shit. Like, you know, throughout my career, I've, I've been asked, people, people have been asking me to, like, perform, but pay, like, $300 to, to perform or something. It's just like, you should be paying me. All the artists that perform on my set, they get paid something. At the very end of the day, they're getting part of the door because you're helping me put on the show. Like, and don't get me wrong, like, if, if a person is putting on shows and they can't afford to pay, like, the artist, cool, and they, they just perform for free, cool. But if you're actually cultivating a set list, asking another artist to perform, I don't, I personally probably wouldn't ask you to pay anything. You know what I mean? Or I would, like, have your set, I, I wouldn't, like, treat you like uh, like you are just there. Like, you're part of the show. Like, I really appreciate you coming out. I really appreciate you uh giving me the opportunity to help showcase your talent and uh I really appreciate you lending to the overall vibe of the show so I'm gonna treat you as such and I'm not gonna just act like you should be so lucky to come to do what I'm doing. You know? I'm lucky to have you just like we're we're both lucky. So I'm not gonna treat you like it's a one sided thing. You're cutting out all the bullshit by doing that, by being straight, straight up, straightforward. And when yeah. you do that and you eliminate all that that bullshit that promoters like to pull, dude, it's like you're 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 winning off that because not only do you uh, build a friendship with the other artists, and you also build a great business relationship by giving them a cut of the door, which is uh, shit. So many people would be like, "What you do? no?" Because it's like they're just wrong. Yeah, it's, it's like, surprising no, to me. Fair. It's su- it's surprising to me because I hit them up like after the show, like, and I've already told them, but you know, sometimes people forget, and I've already told them before, like, "Yeah, you're gonna get a cut of the door, yada yada." And it's it's surprising sometimes because I'm like, what's your cash app? Or, like, you know, how would you like the cut? And they're like, whoa, I didn't even know I was going to be paid for this. Like, I thought, you know, I, and some of them even asked me, like, do I need a pay to come in? And I'm like, this, no. Like, you're part of your performer for this show. No. I'm like, it's, that's not really how it should work, in my opinion. But, you know, I understand everybody out to get theirs, but still, I'm just saying. Hey man, I I've done the coast to coast show, so I fucking I know. Oh yeah, know I've heard shit. coast to coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, we could get into that a little bit because it's. I want to know. I, I actually do. I actually do want to know. Like, do you feel like that was a benefit? Like, do you feel like it was worth what you paid, and you feel like you got what, like you know, essentially you paid for? You know, what? I will say this: it was an experience, and I'm happy I did it. I, I think okay. that. Well, that's you what know, matters. It cost three hundred dollars. Do I think it was exactly like you know they they put like three hundred dollars of effort? May I mean I would I don't know. It, it's like my thing is like this. Um, as far as my experience, I remember shout to Slop Funk Dust because I, I had a great time. I, I did my song. I just wanted stage now. I wanted the experience. So I respect yeah. Coast to Coast for that, and and I got no shots at anybody yeah. like that. But I yeah. remember uh, Slop Funk Dust was super fucking cool, and um, I went up there, and I, I talked to him, and, and he, uh, you know, he gave me some advice. He said, hey, you know, work on your delivery, get sharper, but overall, man, like, you got something going, but um, I just remember uh, Cool Nuts, and he's, like, you know, he, he's one of those dudes, like, he, he's, he has a radio show in Portland. He's a, he's a, he's dope. I have no issue like that, yeah. but 
his overall attitude was like, I don't want to fucking be here. And it's just, I don't know. I took it like this. I'm like, so the show was in Seattle and, and Portland is not that far from Seattle. So my mentality is like this, like, listen, dude, you're only like a city away. It could be worse. It's like a couple of hours of a drive. That's not that bad. And his overall attitude, and I don't, I don't mind saying this shit at all because I think he would agree. His overall attitude was like he didn't want to be there. And to be fair, it's not like we, he was listening to the the best MCs on earth. I get it. Right, right. But yeah, it, but but um, I don't know. His everyone else's energy was great. Uh, shout out to DJ Fat Boy as well. But um, I, I you know, I mean, no disrespect. Cool Nuts uh would uh host. I think the the underground hip hop show uh, on Sundays in Portland. So I would listen to that. So I I I really uh, think he's a dope person. I appreciate what he has done for for Portland and hip hop. But overall, man, like another thing is like he fucked up my name, and he's actually a big piece of the reason I changed my name to Chase Hill. But uh, <laughs> I, he, I my name my last name is Hemp Hill, and uh, he he. Uh, it reminds that's a cool, me of being, that's a cool was, name though. I like that name, Tim Hill. Hill. Thank you, thank like you, bro. And, and, but but here's where it gets funny. So, and growing up a lot in in school, my teachers would fuck up, and they'd be chase him Phil, him Phil, because there's a PH in the pill uh-huh. for some reason. So you know that they, they would miss, but there's two L's. So I would be like, well, okay. So <clears throat> basically, this. Um, he he does that and he says uh, Ch- Chase Hemp Phil and and then I, I have my mic and I just say oh it's Hemp Phil and he's like oh sorry Hemp Pill and then like he put like extra you yeah, know a yeah, little, yeah. little bit too much on it and I was like okay man like I, <laughs> I'm not gonna take that shit from a guy named Cool Nuts you feel me like it just was like cool all right dude like you're fucking hit on my name <laughs> like you you got your your cold balls like Cool Nuts cold balls like it's it's like to me. It's like if I said that, that'd be you know disrespectful. I'm not gonna do that, you know. But um, yeah, overall though, coast to coast, I just I appreciated the the opportunity and, and I listen. It was a fun environment. I had a lot of fucking fun. But then you also just see the egos of these of the of the rappers who are showing up and they're acting like yeah. you know they're like little baby rolling up and it's like dude, like we we all paid to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how you how you paid to be there, but yeah. But you know, honestly, what 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 really matters though is if you had a good time and you feel like you had a good experience, like that's that's really what matters. So you know, shout out to coast uh, coast to coast, and I don't know those people you t- you just said, uh, but Cool Nuts and the other guy that you said, shout out to him too. Um, yeah, shout out to all. You know, it's just all about. Love. Yeah, it's just about creating a good experience so if you had a good experience you know that's the main that's what it's primarily about and how you go about that is you know how you choose to do so but I will say that like along with the elements that I do have in the show I uh, they're definitely put together in a way that's also unique and that part is something else that I'm still that I'm develop. I'm always developing the show the show isn't even like at full fruition of what's in my head yet, but it's it's definitely getting there, and people are already definitely like fucking with it heavy. So I'm I'm very grateful for that, and it's just gonna keep getting better because the ideas haven't all, even come to fruition all the way, and I keep adding things to it, and I keep getting better. So you know we're going all the way up. That's that's what it's all about. 
that's why I said festival instead of concert or show because I really feel like it's a festival. Like what you're doing is you're you're not just making oh you're gonna be here you're gonna see a show we're gonna make we're gonna show music no you're like no this is a fucking experience and you're gonna be a part it of it. It's a production. It's like you're going for a ride. Yep, exactly, exactly. One that you will remember too. That's the main thing because, like I said, it's about creating the memories. It's about people leaving and being like. Man, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen something like that before. I haven't been to something like that before. And every time they see something associated with that show, they'll remember that memory. And that's what it's about. They'll remember those memories, you know. So that's what it is. That's what it's about. And it takes leadership skills, man. Not everyone's a leader. I got to say, dude, you're a leader for being able to do that. Once again, tip my hat off to you. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. I really do. Really do. It's powerful. And and too, what I what I like um about Texas and the music scene is I feel like Texas hip hop fans or just Texas music fans, they really fucking show up. I don't really know what it is. Um, I know yeah. they have a, yeah. a lot of music festivals and and theaters down there and all, all sorts of concert halls. But I just damn like the people show up out in Texas. I gotta I get I really give my respect. Yep, yep. Because you gotta you gotta remember like Texas. There's a lot of hip hop in Texas. It's a it's a prideful and it's prideful too. They have history. We have history in Houston. Shit, we have history in Dallas. We have history in San Antonio. Shit, like there's there's actual history there uh, amongst the greater hip hop world. Like we definitely put shit on the map. So we're always going to be proud of that. You know what I'm saying? And the overall vibe of Texas, you know, sometimes for better and sometimes, you know, for worse, for better or for worse, there's a sense of, uh, I think you could say liberty, but liberty is never really bad. So it's more like there's a sense of, uh, just free for all, I guess you could say. Like, some of the things I hear about in other states, I'm like, wow. Like, Texas honestly don't give a fuck. They, we, like, when it comes to, like, a lot of things. So, a lot of things are open, wide, free, and that lends to an overall, I will say it does lend to an overall, I think, freedom of creativity in a certain sense. But then in another sense, uh, it's very conservative uh, politically. So there, there is a – I guess there's a dichotomy there to be struck. But it's very liberal in, in the sense of, like, having freedoms to do what you want to do without too much, like, government interaction. You know what I mean? And that overall just – even political, I guess you could say, paradigm lends itself to everything that goes on in Texas, for better or for worse. Because an example of that would be like mask in Texas. Nobody cares. People just do what they want to do, honestly. Businesses do what they want to do. People do what they want to do. And that's just because that's people's mentality here. Like, that is the vibe here. So it's like for better or for worse. Because for me, in a music sense or in a sense of like showmanship, you know, I also want to go about things the way 
I go about things the way I plan to go about things, and I don't really – people kind of mind their own business, but they kind of don't at the same time. It's a very – it's kind of a paradoxical state. I'm kind of uh, veering off the topic, but, yeah, Texas uh, has a different vibe to it. Uh, it definitely has a different vibe to it, and we definitely have pride in, you know, our hip-hop roots and, and what we've contributed to the game and what we've contributed to music overall. And uh, I think the world sees that too, you know. So I I really think that's an interesting description, though. When you say it's uh, it's overall a free for all, but it has also a, a conservative ideology, though, kind of floating over it. And mm-hmm. when you like talk to me and like you tell me that, like it's interesting because I'm in Los Angeles and it's kind of like the opposite. <laughs> like yeah, you know, I'm in California. Yeah, and it, exactly. It could be any more different. Exactly, and that's the that's the thing. That's why, like, when I hear about other states, especially California, I'm like, what? You know, even when I was in school, like, in law school, we used to always talk about, like, kind of the sibling rivalry, if you would, between Texas and California because they're both really big and they both, you know, really stand out and they're both really opposite. So, you know. And 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 part of that, you know, a lot of that comes from, you know, just how the states are governed and the mentality and the ideology behind each. Because I imagine the government's way more involved in California than it is in Texas, you know, for better or worse. Once again, I'm not saying either way is correct. I'm just saying there are definitely stark uh, differences, so... Oh, dude, very stark differences. Like, for instance, um, I see people wearing a mask while driving. <laughs> yeah. That, I that, see that shit. It, it feels like, it feels like, you know, and I, I, it feels like COVID is, I bet you COVID is, COVID is different from state to state. It has to be. The the overall vibe, vibe the overall mentality, the overall, uh, you know, way people approach the situation is is probably very different state to state. And here oh. it's like, it's not as bad. I will say this. I don't think it's like Florida. Florida's on some other shit. Like Florida's <laughs> another place, though. That's another place that's very distinct. But, yeah. They kept it dirty. <laughs> they got dirty. We're, yeah. yeah they, they, I think they want to catch COVID on purpose in Florida. They're like, no. We not only don't, we, it's not that we don't care. It's that we care so much that we, we about catching COVID that we'll do anything to get it. Like, we're so opposite that we want COVID. That's how I feel about about Florida. But Texas is more like, we don't give a fuck. Wear your mask. Don't wear your mask. It's up to you. It really is. Everything's it's open. Yeah, everything's open. Everything's happening. It's your choice. What, what you, what, what you want to do, do what you will. That's, that's pretty much what Texas's approach has been to the whole thing with an overall tone of fuck the mask because of the conservative, like I said, overtones of the state. So it's like, do what you want and everything. But there is the overall tone of like, man, fuck the mask. I'm not going to tell nobody to, you know what? I, I, I low key. I really don't even want to wear a mask. I really don't even care about masks. Like, <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's, well, it's, 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 it's funny. It's funnier too because I remember I, I went to um 
uh, restaurant, my girlfriend, and basically this this is this is crazy because what happened was I saw this this guy walk in and he didn't have a mask and he was there to pick up an order, and mm-hmm. what happened was the the guy the guy behind the counter immediately instead of you know saying hey sir do you have a mask can you put it on he immediately goes. Sir, you don't have a mask. What are you doing? Get a mask. He's like, I, I don't have one. Get out. Oh, like, my gosh. It was, yeah, he turned but you know what? I, but you know what? I will say some people are just, listen, some people will find an opportunity to act out, and they'll just take it, honestly. Like, yes, wearing masks are important, but some people do the most when they're talking about when they react. And, and you can tell that that person, I don't really think genuinely cares if the other person wears a mask or not, they just are so, uh, they just want to be so caught up in the moment and, and telling somebody else what to do and doing something and feeling self-righteous like that. They're like, what are you doing? How dare you? Because if you really did want someone to put it on, you'd probably be like, can you please wear your mask? And if they were resistant at first, or even if they offered some like, you know, rebuttal or whatever, you would just calmly explain to them because you're trying to convince them to put it on. Like you, know that yelling and screaming is probably just going to cause a bluster, but you also know you're right, so you you probably like that it causes a bluster so you can exhibit your self-righteousness. That's just how I feel about some people, and it's on both sides. There's a lot of things oh, yeah, going on. For sure. There's a lot of things going on on both sides of the issue that lend to the uh, overall hesitancy and, and, and uh you know, polar uh, polarity of the situation because of a polarized, it shouldn't really be that polarizing of an issue, but it is because of ulterior motives and and, and um, false information and lack of transparency because neither side wants to say certain things that may be true but doesn't fit their narrative. And that's where you get the distrust for both sides in in, in a lot of instances. Because obviously I'm not going to trust any of these whack job fucking anti-vaxxers that are putting out these crazy-ass theories, but I'm also not going to trust somebody who will get mad at me for simply questioning, uh, like, how something works. You know what I'm saying? And acting like now that I even asked a question about the vaccine, I'm some type of anti-vaxxer. Like... Or vice that, versa. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. That lets me know right there. That already is a red flag to me because now you don't even want me to think about asking nothing. You don't, so basically you're telling me not to think for myself. That's what you're telling me. And that is a rest. No, I would never. I'll never pretty much do that. I'll never do that. So that's a red flag. So it's like where do I actually get the real information from? Where do I actually hear the full story about what's going on? There was a time where it was – you know, it's even bad almost right now to say, like, to hint that the virus was fucking made in China or was was originated in China. We don't even you we don't even have a uh, consensus or a concrete statement on where the virus came from, and that largely is also due to the fact that neither side wants to say certain things that doesn't fit their narrative, like. Do you know how this started? It's been here for almost two years. Does anyone know how this started? Like, you know what I mean? 
it's like all we have so, are theories to go off. Someone of has to. Like, someone has to know. We know. It's just that I feel like the origination of it all still probably doesn't fit somebody's narrative, so it's not being said or it's not really being looked into. Because I'm pretty have you ever seen did you see have you seen John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, um, coronavirus, like the coronavirus episode where John Stewart went on there and pretty much was just like, dude, just look it up. It's it's a fact. We just don't say it because it doesn't fit. Like have you have you looked have you seen that interview? I don't think I have, no. You should really look at it. You should definitely take a look at it because like he pretty much explains like how there was a lab in China called the coronavirus lab. And the Chinese government's like, you know, I don't know how it happened. We don't know. Uh, we don't know. And no one knows. I don't know. And then you have these other idiots on the other side stoking the flames of like, honestly, of Asian hate. Like really, like Real shit, when, yeah, Trump no was in, when, Trump, when, when Trump was in office, that's why it confuses the narrative so much you can't even get down to the truth of what happened because you have one person coming out saying all these types of things and saying all this type of rhetoric about not just, like, the government but about Asian people, like, in general, and then you have these crazies going out hyped up off of that statement committing hate crimes against Asians, right? And now it's, like, theoretically even. If the virus did come from China, if you came out and said something like that, you may be looked at as somebody who is a, I don't know, Asian hater or whatever. Like you, like you, like you're one of those people. You know what I'm saying? Because the tension is now there. The tension has been created because now there is there's this misinformation and disinformation creating undue tension to where transparency can't fully be had and ideas can't even fully be discussed because of the tone created by false information that made the situation too tense for certain things to even be said. So now we're all sitting here, like, just wondering where the hell it even came from, and no one can even truly discuss all of the possibilities because you may be looked at a certain way. And I understand why you, why, why some people would recoil given the fact that, you know, there was a serious crimes going on in the streets due to nonsensical rhetoric and generalizations that muddied the waters. And it's creating a recipe for a lack of transparency on, uh, just on all fronts, in my opinion. But I do think, yeah, from what I hear, the vaccine, I'm vaccinated, by the way. So um, my mom has a pre-existing condition. So I really can't, I couldn't risk getting the virus, not even for myself, but for her. Um, and so whenever I go visit, you know, I want to make sure I'm, I'm safe. So I got it, but I certainly was hesitant. I really don't know how much I even trust of uh, anything, honestly, with this whole, with this whole situation. I think that it's supposed to, uh, you know, lessen your, it can it can lessen your side effects if you get the virus. And from what it looks like, I think that's what it does. So yeah. But it's 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 still it's still there's so much disinformation and tension and, and, and false narratives and and uh leaving things out just to fit your own narrative going on like that it's hard to discern what's 
really factual and what is just spin or uh, half of a story. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, yeah, there's there's tons of disinformation, and it's interesting because it's it's like um it's weird because I feel like you know we we both kind of stand in the middle and we watch people in their corners kind of eat themselves and then try to attack the people other people in their corner and then it becomes war of the corners and then the people in the middle are like mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. hey uh, you guys sure you want to do that we can talk this out like and and then that's the thing it's like I feel like most most people like us are are, are like us in the sense of you know, oh, I, it's, it's almost like this. I believe that there are certain things like you wouldn't just talk with somebody off the bat and talk with that, about at the bat. It's like, you wouldn't bring up someone's, uh, for, especially if it's a woman, you don't bring up, oh, how old are you? You don't say certain things like that. You know, you don't, you don't say mm-hmm. how much do you weigh? You don't bring up religion. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't bring up political party. I know we talk politics a little bit, but it's like, we know each other. It's, it's just certain things that it's like you you see certain or certain lines being crossed, especially through social media, and it always um what is it? There's a scene in American Gangster, and Denzel Washington says he has a great quote. He says, "The loudest voice in the room is the weakest," and I feel like the weakest people, and especially even if it's not the biggest number, they they get so loud and they feel so powerful on social media, and then you have the bullshit like the insurrection happening. And those people feel like they're yeah. invincible or untouchable, and that shit yeah. is terrible. Like it's it's and a. The, the, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, it's just a recipe for disaster. But that's it. Oh no, I agree because let me tell you, Donald Trump is probably like the world's biggest hype man. Like in the sense of like when he came on stage, he empowered like he he like gave people such a feeling like the people who followed him really like were zealots they're like zealots of of his like they would probably die for this man like that's how much imagine that imagine going from thinking like you know you're just an ordinary dude right and then thinking like there's actually something out here, I guess, outside of your family <laughs> that you would die for, whether it's false or not. That creates a great sense of motivation and a great sense of belief. You know what I mean? And if you know how to choose the vulnerable and and pick them out and speak to them and get them to, uh, you know, feel that way about you, you literally now have an army of people at your side at your command. That's literally what you have. And that's kind of what you saw in a sense. And he even used that that energy and that peace of mind behind closed doors all the time, I bet, you know, because he's probably like, look, if you don't agree with me, shit, I'll make sure you're out of here. The party is mine. This is my party because I have the the people of the party eating out of the palm of my hand. And they will vote your ass out if I tell them to. Well, we, every everything is my, like like that's really how he was running it. That's really how he's running it. Because, yeah, he 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 would he, he could he could do it because he had the people. And and see, this is a, this is where politicians definitely slipped up. And this is what I hope they would be reminded of. The reason he was able to hijack the Republican Party is twofold. One. 
a lot of the Republican Party honestly agreed with a lot of things he wanted to do. They were down to do it. They just thought he was irrational and, and probably crazy and neurotic and hard to work with, which is probably true. But two, also, he had the power of the people, and the politicians forgot about the people. Like, they don't really care about the people. They only care about them insofar as it, it their own motives. They only care about what the people can do for them. You know what I'm saying? That's why they only care about the con their constituents because the con their constituents are the only ones that can keep them in office. It's not because they just care about this sector of people so much more than the other people in America. No, it's these people keep me in office, so I care about them insofar as they will keep me in office. Donald Trump was like, well, if I take that away from you, right, because you don't even really care about the people, if I convince them that I care about them more than you do, now you don't have that. Now you have to convince me of what you want to do, that you want to be here. Now you have to convince me because I'm the key to the, the people in your base. I came in the middle of all that shit. I came in the middle of you and your constituents and said, if you want to talk to them and if you want them to vote for you, you have to talk to me first because I've now captured their minds and I've taken them away from you. And so you're going to dance to my tune and you're going to do what I tell you to do. And if you don't, then you're going to get the fuck up out of here. And we all know you're here because you want the power and the prestige. And we know you don't care about no hundred thousand dollars. You you got that, but you want that control. So you're gonna do what I tell you to do, so you can keep the little monicum of control you have, because that's what you came here for. So do what I tell you, and that's what happened. And that's what happened. And every time someone didn't do what they said they were supposed to do, or Trump Trump got online and he said some shit about them. And then they, they were fucking pissing their pants, and they were trying to figure out what to do, or they either got the fuck up out of there, got booted the, got booted out. Because let me tell you, mansion, a, a mansion could never exist during that regime because they actually would have actively taken that man out of the party. Everybody in the party would have launched a media assault against this man at Trump's beck and call if a lone person was holding up the process of doing what he wanted to do. Like, you really think he wouldn't get on Twitter, blast this man, tell everybody else to blast this man, and get him up out of here? I'm not saying that's the right way to go about it, but, I mean, saying something is the right way to go about it. You know, there's things you can do, but you're actively not doing them, which leads me to believe he's just your fall guy. But that's another story. I'm just saying that would never, if you really wanted him to, you know, fall in line, they have, they have, uh, you know, majority whips for a reason. They have fucking, they have assignments that you can take away for a reason. They have media presses that you can have to admonish him for a reason. But that's not, that's not really what they want to do. They really are just using him as cover. That's how I feel. Um, but yeah, we kind of get into a different top, different topics now. Uh, but this, uh, you know, I, I, and, and I just want to say whatever a person's political views are, you know, that's your own view on life. So I'm definitely not, I don't, I don't blame, I really don't really blame the common people for their political views, whether I agree with them or not too much. 
because it's just what they've been taught, you know? It's just what they've been taught, and it's just what um, they've honestly probably been born into. If you have conservative parents, you're probably going to grow up conservative. If you have liberal parents, you're probably going to grow up liberal, and most likely you'll probably stay that way because, you know, you you might watch Fox News today because that used to be on when you were younger, and that's what you know, and they're going to be able to beat you every time. They're going to be able to convince you if, you, if you're just like an empty vessel and they're filling you up. They're going to convince you unless you know better. So I, can, I, can, I don't blame just regular people all the time for their, for their political views. And there's a difference between being, having a political view and a humanitarian view, too, because how you treat people isn't always just political. So that's, I can blame you for that, maybe more than I could blame you for just your political beats. But, yeah. No, no, I really like talking to you about this kind of stuff because, again, like I'm I'm kind of an empty cup when it comes to this kind of stuff because I'm not the type of person who would say I, – I I don't say I feel comfortable knowing, like, oh, I know so much about politics or, or yeah. law or anything like that. I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm no expert. But I, I appreciate your nuanced opinion because I, I – the way you break down the different angles of it, that's very important because you're not just saying, hey, fuck everybody on this end. You're, you're, you're also extending this olive branch of like, listen, I understand how this could happen. Like, you yeah, know, and I, I think when, when people cut that out, dude, it's, again, you're, you're cutting out a, a chance for growth. It's all interesting metaphor, but really, I, this stuff to me is like when you said she, the humanitarian perspective – holding that more sacred, that to me is more important than anything. Like, again, it's how how do you value human life? Like, you could be a serial killer and have any political party, but are you a good person? Like, do you care? Like, like, who are you? Like, I think that is something that people need to value more. And, uh, and just, you know, again, it's, it's people pick teams. It's like, we like football. We like, you know, whatever it may be. Like, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's all weird to me, it feels like it's a mixture of environment, uh, just the way we've evolved. It's it's a bunch of shit. It's so weird to me. I think it all has a little bit of basis in, like, tribalism because, you know, it's a group of communities forming, whether it be around a team, uh, an artist, uh, a political party, what have you. It's a group of it's a group of people forming a community around a common theme, and that can create a sense of tribalism, for better or worse. Really, you know, I mean, I'm not saying tribalism is necessarily bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying that how you use it is what really matters, and how it comes about, it takes form, <clears throat> is what's really important. So. I think we innately have that trait within us. It's just um, how we use it is, is is what we need to focus on because tribalism in the sense of a two-party system where you have to pick one or the other and both of them really want the same thing is not good. You know what I mean? If the exactly. same thing is to keep you in control, a... if that's the if that's the goal, and keep you and keep things the way they are, even though you may not like it that way. If that's the goal, then that's not a good sense of tribalism. That's the one that you would want to break out of. 
Well, because too, when you think of tribe, like like there are good aspects to it, but the, the negative, the downside of being overly tribalistic or overly single-minded within your group, I, I think you're yeah. just cutting out. Again, you're just you're cutting out communication. Communication can save a nation, and that's so that's the real cutting, that's the real out, shit. You're cutting out possibilities and and opportunities for progression as well because. You know, that's why I say it's not necessarily good or bad. It's really how you use it because if you have too much of, a, like, a homogenous mindset where everybody's just thinking the same way, no one is offering up different thoughts or different viewpoints, and you're cutting out opportunities to evolve, really. So you're stunting your own growth by doing something like that. And that's why you have to always be open to, I mean, I guess in this analogy, extending your tribe or communicating with other people who may be part of a different uh, mindset because then you can make things better for both for both ends and ultimately for everybody involved. And with this sense of extreme tribalism, I feel like we have within both parties amongst each other and amongst themselves, um, that all leads to the uh, that all leads to the diminishing returns you get from that community because now you're not even operating at your full capacity. Neither party is really. If your end goal is to really make the country the best it could be for everybody involved then that goal is being, you're not coming up to that goal. You're coming short. They will be coming short of that goal because they're too divided. In order to do something like that, you both have to get closer together, right? But I'm telling you, for consolidation of power, you want the opposite. You want what's happening right now. You want both parties to be separated because it's easier to control the people within those parties and have a consolidation of power at the top that way. It's a lot, it would be a lot harder to do that if both people within those parties formed one party against you. You get what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think think the system works the way it's supposed to. I see what you mean entirely, and with with any two-party system or, or anything that doesn't allow room for enough gray area, there's always going to be an issue because, I mean, you flip the CNN, it's want, want, want. You flip the, C, the Fox News, it's want, 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 but it's a different kind of want, want, want. It's, it's yeah. all the same kind of hypnotism at play where they're 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 appealing, you know, they want to appeal to a certain group, and it's always going to be like that, and and you also we think about corporate donors, lobbyists, and, and we, mm-hmm. we it's it's like this, it's like a shit funnel. I don't know. It's a, it's like you don't want to fall into it. It's crazy. No, I definitely, I definitely understand what you mean because with that comes a lot of exploitation too, of genuine topics that actually matter. Even even topics that matter, that are genuine at their core and have true value, 
can get exploited to the utmost extent due to an agenda, 100%. And that comes from trying to, you know, keep the sides divided. That polarization creates, it creates, honestly, income. It creates uh, money. It creates ratings. It creates consolidation of power. It creates control. Like, it's a very powerful tool, a very powerful thing to push an agenda upon somebody. Because now you're controlling the way they think. You literally are controlling the way they think, and they probably don't even know it. So, but I think today, these days, some people are leaning a little bit too hard. They're showing their hand a little bit too much, and people are starting to figure that out because they're not as um, unaware as they used to be in certain areas and aspects. So, you know, they might want to let their foot off of the pedal just a little bit because sometimes I feel like, damn, man, you guys are pushing a little bit too hard. Right now, people are going to be turned off rather than just hypnotized like you would like. Uh, that's just my own opinion, though. I'm really starting no. to drift off in this conversation. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. But, but this is what the show is about, man. I'm I'm happy you get to go in depth because I know at the first half, uh, the, the, what the, what we did earlier in the week, we uh, jumped into a lot of that. So I know we we covered a lot of this stuff. But again, um, it's it's never boring to hear you talk about it because with your background. Like everything that you you do, I, I I'm always interested in just hearing what you have to say. Uh, not even just about political stuff, whether it's music or movies. I I really value value your opinion because you don't come from a a biased perspective, you know. And and that's that's something mm-hmm. that's rare, you know. It's like I got I got plenty of friends and shit, and like I'll ask them their opinion, <laughs> and it's like, well, damn, like where's that coming? Like, you know, but yeah, I, I like talk to some you. people even will get upset at you even asking a question. Like, you should already know what their answer is gonna be. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, I don't like that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, are you trying to tell me you do? Are you trying to convince me that that otherwise? Or like, what are you what are you trying to do? You trying to convince me to to change my opinion? You already know what I think. Like, why are you even asking me? And I don't listen like, to Adele. I'm not a bitch. Like, <laughs> Yo, Adele is fucking awesome, by the way, and I, that 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 Easy on Me song that she released, fucking fire. I listened to it like the first day it came out. Shit was going crazy. That was that was great. Yeah, but you know what? I'll send this to you later after the show. Um, there's a I'll text it to you. There's a someone a a, a rap producer took a shit uh uh one of her more like super sad powerful records and and they put a drill beat behind it and dude it sounds <laughs> oh, hard fire. as fuck it's dude. So fire. yo oh drill beats God. can really make a tune fire as fuck okay it could be any type of genre too like yeah i could imagine it it's 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 fire it's playing I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you later, man. But I, I, I just want to say, man, I appreciate your time, dude. And um, I, I support the big, big show. And I'll make sure to put all the information down below in the description to your social media. Um, I salute you, dude, just for everything you're doing, man. You're a real boss. You're a real leader. 
and I appreciate you, you for, I appreciate for being that. on your Master P and just giving out opportunities <laughs> and looking out. Yo, for I definitely I, I look up to Master P. Master P is definitely an idol of mine. I look, I definitely look up to him. You know, um, my mom was actually the one who introduced me to him because I remember I was like in the store one day when I was younger, and I think I saw like these clothes called P. Miller or something, and she was like, "You know who that is." And I was like, no. And she was like, that's Master P. He's a he's a artist. He's a he's a rapper, and he has his own clothing line. Like he has his own business. Um, and she and I was just like, wow, that's really cool. And and then I heard like, you know, I think I don't remember what song I heard, but it had already come out. I was a little bit older and stuff, I guess. And I had like listened to some of his music. I think the first song I heard from him was like, about about it probably or something like that, you know. Because that shit came out, like, in 1996, right? Or somewhere around there. I think so. Yeah, I heard Ice Cream there, Man. So. That was my intro. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah. See, I, I, I uh, when Bout It, Bout It came out, I wasn't probably even old enough to listen to it yet. So, like, I heard, like, Master P probably two years after that. Like, I started listening to him. Like, when I actually started listening to rap music. But... I'll, I'll leave it at this, too, because the first music video, I've probably said this before, but this is a moment I do not forget. The first time I was introduced to rap music, really, like that, the first music video I'd ever seen, especially that caught my attention, the first day I had to start watching rap videos was Nas, Hate Me Now. That was the first rap video I had ever seen and it blew my fucking mind. It was like one of the first rap songs I had ever heard and it blew my fucking mind. Like it was so crazy. It was so crazy. And I think from then I was hooked. Like that's when I was like, man, rap is the best, hip hop's the best. Like this shit is the best. Like <laughs> that's when I was hooked right there. Cause boy, Nas hate me now. And Puff, and Puff in the video yelling and screaming, looking like he throwing champagne bottles everywhere and shit, and all those fucking girls everywhere. It was just fucking crazy. It just looked like a scene I'd never seen before in any other area of of life, really. Like so, I was like, man, this is awesome. Uh, I don't even remember how old I was. Probably like six, something like that. Hate Me Now may be probably my top five and my top five like for favorite non songs because oh, I, yeah. I do have a similar oh, yeah. experience where I remember when I got in the Nas around sixth grade really heavy, I mm-hmm. played the shit out of that song in that video. Oh, yeah. um, the story behind that mm-hmm. video is interesting because apparently there was a cut where Diddy got crucified as well as Nas. But oh, Diddy, Diddy was probably like, I don't want to do that. Well, he he did the scene, but then, like, he had a change of heart after he talked to his pastor. And then later on, he ended up smacking the director for for premiering the video with the scene with him being crucified. And then they changed that shit, because that's Diddy. They don't fuck with Diddy, but... (laughs) No, Diddy um, will smack you. Diddy literally will, 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 like, smack the fuck out of you. I've heard plenty of stories of, of Diddy smacking people with bottles, with his hand. I've heard plenty of stories about this man really being willing to smack you at at any at any given moment. Okay, J. Cole, anybody <laughs> Stop the Diddy. Stop the Diddy. 
Did you see that versus like kind of like trailer that I guess is not gonna happen now, but where Diddy, Jermaine Dupree, Timbaland, uh, Snoop, and I think uh, fucking yeah, and Swiss was like on 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 live or on Google or something, and they were trying to get uh, them to do a versus. Oh Lord, dude, that would be a boy. You have to watch that. You have to watch that that whole live session because like Diddy was playing hit after hit after hit after hit after hit and like they were trying to get Jermaine to play some songs but he didn't want to play any songs but Diddy was playing fucking hit after hit after hit and he really was wanting to call out Dre he was calling out Dre the whole time he was like yo I need to get Dr. Dre I need to get Dr. Dre and I was like whoa that'd be great that'd be awesome versus battle that'd be that'd be fucking sick that's Batman versus Superman, dude. For real. That would be that honestly, dude, maybe the greatest versus next that to probably would Jay-Z be the greatest. Nas ever did it. Man, I'm gonna tell you right now, Jay Z said that no one could ever stand on the stage with him uh in a versus. And to be quite honest with you, I believe him. I believe him. I believe him. I believe no rapper and I like Nas. I think if you were just talking about lyrics, Nas is definitely one of the best to do it. And if someone said Nas was better than Jay-Z lyrically, I wouldn't challenge them on that. I really wouldn't because Nas is one of my favorite rappers. And I can't even say who's the best lyrically, really. But Jay-Z just has – his catalog is not to be fucked. No rapper can really fuck with his catalog, though, because he has more classics probably than any rapper out there. And there's only – one other rapper that I feel like if he went against any other rapper, um, he would probably beat them, and that's Snoop. Because let me tell you something. Snoop is probably the most popular rapper of all time, when you really think about it. He's probably the biggest rapper ever, as far as his face goes. Like, his face is probably the most recognizable. He's the most popular. He's everywhere, still. Right now. Wine bottles. Everywhere. Everywhere, dude. <laughs> everywhere. On everything. He is the big he's probably the biggest rapper ever. Like, you could go to a third world country where they don't even listen to rap, somewhere where they don't speak English, and they still probably be like, Yeah, Snoop. They might even be like, Yo, Snoop Doggy Dog, like if it's like an older person. Like, yeah, I remember <laughs> Snoop Doggy Dog. Like that's 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 the type of shit Snoop is on. Like he you can go anywhere in the world and someone will know him. Like, even the most remote part of the world where they don't know nobody, they still they would still know who Snoop was. He's like, it's, it's like, it's like Michael Jackson almost. Like, Michael Jackson, no matter where you go in the world, you can go to anywhere where they don't know nobody, they don't know anything about music, they'd still know who Michael Jackson was. You know what I mean? they still know who, who would know who Michael Jackson was. Like, that's the type of face card Snoop has. That's the type of fucking recognition he has. So his and, and his music, everybody knows his music too, especially from back in the day. So that's another artist that would be tough. The Snoop versus DMX battle was amazing, though. That was fucking incredible. That was the best, probably the best battle that I've seen. And, and it was really cool, too, because it was like it was just seeing two legends just hang out, like, and just play some. I really enjoyed that, mm-hmm. like. 
Rest I in peace, really DMX. like that. God bless Rest soul. in peace, DMX. He gave his heart during that during that performance too. That wasn't even a battle. That's why I'm saying like that was more of a collection of just good ass music and like awesome vibes that just emitted through the screen, which usually don't happen because, like I said, this world is so disconnected through all this so quote unquote connectivity. For that to just be able to bleed through the screen like that was very powerful. That was a great, great, great performance. That one, and then, you know who Isley Brothers are? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. They went against my favorite band, the best band of all time, in my opinion. This is my most favorite band, probably my most favorite group of art, artists, whatever you want to call it. Earth, Wind, and Fire went against the Isley Brothers. And let me tell you something, that was great, too, because Earth, Wind, and Fire, I love the Isley Brothers. Mr. Biggs, great. But uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire is my shit. That's my shit right there. They are the best, for real. So that was a great one, too. But, yeah, Versus is pretty cool. I fuck with Versus. I salute Versus for bringing the legends out. I definitely salute Versus. They're doing it. They seem to be doing things the right way. You know, they're they're doing it the right way. Everybody's getting love. Everybody's being shown love. It's a good show to be had by all. You know, not too much, you know, drama and craziness so we can keep the show, so they can keep the show going. They're doing the thing. Like, obviously. I mean, it's fucking Swiss and Timbaland. Like, they're some of, like, the kings of fucking music, not just hip-hop. Talking about, I'm talking about music in general. So they know what they're doing, and they're yeah, doing they, it they right. They rule the very pop well. world too. They don't care. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They rule all the worlds. Okay, they 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 they, they don't just do rap. Those are like certain artists and rap. They don't just rap, man, or they don't just produce for rappers. They really influence all of music. And Swiss and Timberland are two of those types of people. And they're really doing something special with Versus, in my opinion. I really think it's really cool what they're doing. And the way they're going about it is great. So. No, Versus is, is like, again, like something that is like a great testament because it also is a great way to introduce these artists to um, the younger, younger. Like, like for instance, like mm-hmm. I got like nephews who are like 10. It's like it's going to introduce it to them. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It does that too. It probably gives them a whole the artist a whole new audience as well, and and gives some people who might have been born around that time a reminder. You know, if you were too young, <laughs> so that's also cool. And the locks, oh my gosh, the locks also had one of the best versus performances of all time. They probably had the best performance on versus easily, easily. Jada Kiss alone had the best performance on Versus ever so far. Out of anybody, out of anybody, Jadakiss had the best one so far. Have you seen that one? Oh, Jadakiss showed up hungry. Jadakiss was coming in hot, boy. That man was coming in guns blazing. Them guns was blazing. Because, man, he was... He gave a real show. He was he he sold out he was sold out the garden or some shit. He gave a fucking woo. 
he brought that house he brought the house down with that. That shit was crazy. He was going in. I was I was like I was hooked. I was watching it like it was a, a like a performance just for just for locks. Just for Jada Kiss even. Like, cause he was just going crazy. He was going crazy. Jada Kiss doing that. I feel like that was him saying, "You motherfuckers must have forgot." Like <laughs> that was him bringing true showmanship back to hip hop. Like because we've gone so long without like a performer like that that's currently performing. Cause don't get me wrong, like Kendrick, he's one of the best performers of all time. Uh, when it comes to like how he does his shit, and so is J Cole. But besides that, and even at that time, they weren't even on tour. Like, there wasn't much of that. There's not much of that anymore, I feel like, in a lot of rap. I don't know. Some people some people go on stage, they don't even say any of their lyrics. They just let the song play and kind of, like, ad-lib their own song the whole time. I watched I mean, the, I guess that's cool. I watched Rolling Loud with my girl. We were watching it, and we had to, like, we were just like kind of a, like not pissed, but we were just like damn, like a lot of them aren't even well underwhelmed. Shit. It was underwhelming, yeah. And it's cool. And this is the thing: I'm not saying it's not cool to have backing vocals, okay? Because certain songs backing vocals add a certain energy, but you should still be able to at least, you know, get hype and sing a song yourself, like while the vocal. You don't. You're gonna ad lib. You're not even gonna sing your own song. You're just gonna let the song play, like really. And you're just gonna kind of sing certain parts. Yeah, okay. You don't even know your own song like that. You can't even sing along to it. Right. Yeah, or it's like people just don't have the cardio to keep up. It's a, it's a lie. It's like it's honestly, no, I, again, like, a lot. It is a lie. A lie. You got to be especially depending on what the song the song is that you're doing. Depending on the songs that you're picking to. If you're doing some hype yes. shit, it can be it can be a lot. Yeah, if like for instance, if if you have a ten song set and all of your shit is just pure hype, you're gonna have like you're gonna be sprinting the whole show. But if if you kind of mix it up though in your set list and you know, all right, this this song might be a little bit more of a pullback record, a little bit more chill. Then I might yeah. have more of an emotional record and put this record. You know, you know, if you know your own music. But and, I think at this at, at this point at this point I don't think I think the like. The showmanship is kind of like it's just like let me go on stage, you know. As long as I, honestly, as long as I run around and say a couple things and, 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 and you know scream a little bit, people will get hyped themselves. They're gonna hype themselves up. So I really don't have to do all this showmanship. That's why I feel like some people think. That's how I feel like it is now a little bit. Like I don't really have to do all this. People are gonna get hyped themselves as long as they see me on stage running around. Shit, it could honestly, it could even be someone else. Someone could impersonate me, and they still get hyped. Like, <laughs> <laughs> cockiness. I don't even need to be there. I'm a guy. You don't even need to be here. But I decided to show up, so you should be so lucky. Now let me go in here and <laughs> on stage and run around. You lucky I didn't give you a talk of the day, because guess what? Your ass would have been tripped. You would have been out here yelling and screaming, taking selfies and taking snaps like you would have been anyway. So hey. You know, lucky I even showed up. <laughs> you know, and, and you make a point too. It's like the audience has to set a standard as well. So if they didn't, if they just yeah. didn't react and just like kind of boo, not boo, but just like didn't give them an active yeah. response, they but would look gotta, at the crowd like, "What am mm-hmm. I doing wrong?" But you got to think, they don't. A lot of them don't even know like what they're missing because this is all they know. Like they don't know. 
about how shows used to be about probably not even really about shows without backing tracks and like people actually really singing. You could even say that for us too. We might not know how they used to do it way, way back when like, I guess rock was really big and rap was, you know, big too, but just starting out, like when Wu-Tang was performing or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you know what you know, and that's going to get you hyped because you don't know any better. Like, you don't know what a, a better performance would even look like, probably. So it's going to get you hyped because the lights and everything, the, the environment itself will get someone hyped anyways. But you just don't understand all the extra you're missing because that's just the base. That's just, like, what you're supposed to, what you should have for, like, an environment. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like our generation gets tricked by environments a lot. Like, I can make something. If I can make the the a restaurant look nice, the food honestly could be crap, and I still probably get a lot of people uh, coming in as long as it doesn't taste bad. If it just tasted standard, as long as everything looks fancy, we get tricked by that. Our, 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 I feel like our generation, millennials and people after us, can easily be fooled by packaging and <laughs> and environment. Oh, dude, it's like a snare trap. Yeah, yeah. As long as it looks nice, you can get away with the actual substance being mediocre, and people will probably still treat it as if it was really nice. Like, I mean, this Impossible Burger thing—it says it's good. So, and I had it; it wasn't terrible. But I, you know, I mean, it's—it's it's just like, yeah, it's like we kind of take things for face value in a way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel like that 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 definitely can happen. There, it, we're, it's easy to easily tricked by that shit. It's like the but, information age has also become that become the age of overstimulation and disinformation. That's the craziest part because as much as you can spread information that's true, you can also spread information that's false probably easier. You know what I'm saying? It's probably you can make it more fun. False information. Yeah, and it's probably more profitable for you. It I almost guarantee it's more profitable for you because now your your uh, stories um possibilities are infinite. You can just literally make shit up. And even if it's not true, it can still have more impact sometimes than uh the truth coming out. You know what I'm saying? The truth coming out sometimes doesn't even help you reco- help the situation recover because it's already been out that it's not true. And now, if anything, the waters are muddied, but you still haven't really reached the truth. There's no consensus on the truth. You just know that, I don't know, someone else is telling another story. <laughs> like, so... You can just make up whatever you want these days. You can make up whatever you feel like. And and too, like it's and now you can do this deep fake shit. It, it's it's just yeah. going crazy. Like it's yeah, a wild that's time. What I'm saying. You can make up whatever. But I'm gonna tell you this right now, it's still gonna be fake. At the end of the day, it's still gonna be fake though. Like and that is still a difference maker. It doesn't have to necessarily be um, you know, at the forefront, it doesn't have to necessarily be recognized by everyone, but trust me, there is still a difference. Usually you can, it may not even be describable, but there's still a difference. I don't even trust what I see on, 
on social media anymore. I don't trust how people look, okay? I don't trust um, the voices of people talking. I don't know if it's their voice. I don't know if it's someone else's voice. I don't know if this is how they really look. I don't know if it's a filter. I I don't even trust it at all. I just don't trust any of that. I don't know if you are who you say you are. This is Instagram. This is Facebook or whatever. To be honest, if I didn't if I didn't have a if I wasn't trying to if I wasn't in art and stuff like into art and and music, I probably wouldn't even have an Instagram. Like when it first came out, I only got it so I could post music, really. And that's kind of how I got into that world. But it's kind of weird. It don't. I don't know. I don't care to post myself after I take a picture of what I've worn or something like that. I don't really care to do that. Not to say that's bad, because it's. I think a lot of stuff people post is is, is really cool, and there's a lot of creativity out there on there. Um, but I think when you start to let it define who you are. I give you any type of added value um, or or subtract value from yourself because of what's going on on there, then you're in trouble. That's when you get in trouble, like, when you start to let it define what you do and who you are and your own self-image. Now you're in big trouble, man, because now you're, you're at other people's whim. Your own health is at other people's whim. So, and I can talk about this shit all day. So I'm sorry. I think we were supposed to rap earlier. No, no, dude. But that's what I mean. But this is how you know we're having fun, bro. Like I like that. Like it's. I'm never in a rush ever to to get away from a conversation. And and uh, before we do get off, I just want to say I I see where you're coming from because I feel the same way, man. If I didn't do this podcast, if I wasn't doing music, et cetera, then to be frank, I I wouldn't be on social media at all. I'd just be working, doing that, coming home because. I I just again it's just I, I I don't it doesn't serve me to look at the explore page or anything I just I drop my shit I this is the album of the day here you go da 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 it's what I'm listening to this is what I'm working on and I'll let you guys know what's up but for me I try to keep certain things sacred in my life as you do and I I think that's a good way to you gotta you gotta draw a line somewhere you know and and I think that it's commendable and uh, I just want to say man too I appreciate you for coming on. And like I said, dude, you always have an open invitation, my friend, Mike. And I'm excited as fuck uh, for the big, big show. And I would love to attend one. I would love to participate in any way, shape, or form. I want to do one, one, in, I want to do one in California. So uh, we definitely can link up and talk about that soon because I would like to do one out there. And, you know, I'm sure you know some people who would love to do something like this. And I'd love to create a vibe out there, too. So, and let's get it. Hey, dude, I'm, that's that's a hundred as fuck, man. I'm looking to perform a lot more in 2022. It's actually been a little bit of time since I've been on stage, but uh, I'm definitely I've been rehearsing, I've been working. You know, I I'm, I want to street perform again. I miss that element of hip hop, and uh, you know, I just want to salute you for your grind, uh, your your work ethic, your your nuanced opinions, and and I just I always have a good time talking to you, man. Like you're you're very um you're very put together with with your ideas and I always learn something just uh just talking to you man so I, I salute you for everything you do dude. Thanks, I really do appreciate it. And I just want to say one more thing about 
social media before I get off. There is a sil- silver lining, though, because I feel like now we're entering into an age where people are starting to put out more educational topics and people are starting to get informed. You just got to be careful about where you get your information from sometimes. And that's it. So thank you for having me on, man. And I can't wait to, uh, you know, talk to you again. Hey, no, thank you, Ada MA. And once again, people, if you are in the area, go to the big, big show. Go show support. Hell yeah, we're going all the way up. You already know what time it is, January 29th. If you're in Dallas, come through Royal Lane Studios, Grand Prairie, Texas, music, art, spoken word, fashion, much more. I didn't even mention that we have dance going on, too, but... Shit. Oh, shit, I can show you. I can show you better than I can tell you. So if you in Dallas come through, big big show, January twenty ninth is going down. Let's get it. We going up. Let's go. Hey dude, I'm excited, bro. Listen, one of these days I wanna I wanna come through. I wanna get hyper with everybody. I I appreciate it. And once again, people go to the man show on the twenty ninth in Dallas. Much love. I appreciate the support and I'll be catching you on the flip side, dude. Hell yeah, let's get it. Peace. Salute, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Alright, everybody. That's the show. Thank you for listening once again. I had a great conversation with Adi M.A. We covered everything from music, performance, just overall balancing being a human, politics, etc. And I always walk away with a good feeling talking to, to Adi M.A. He's such a smart, intuitive person with a nuanced perspective. So I, I just appreciate the conversations that happen and come about on this show. And I have nothing but gratitude. Thank you to everybody who's been supporting me for all these years. I hope you have an awesome holiday break. And I should be back with uh, some more content, at least before the year wraps. Uh, I have some stuff in the works. I'm going to be keeping everything up to date. You know, I do plan on launching a SoundCloud and everything soon for the podcast. Just growth, growth, growth. And I'm I'm very thankful. And, oh, one more announcement. ChaseHill.net should be up and active again by 2022. It's it's going to be good. I really wanted to inundate some things and put some new stuff down and just try to make the website a little smoother. But anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Much love to Ad AMA. Go support him, please. And thank you. And have an excellent day. Cause and effect, water and shifts, it moves in the red, weaving in patterns, right to the left, coming in clutch like I paid off some debt, with the ace in my pocket, I stacked the deck, buried under floorboards, over your head, I love you my lady, over the pain, over the under, under this rain, drip on your scalp, hand run through your braids, microdose, I might not do it for me, I won't do it for me, I need it all here, I need it to be, lost in the sky while I walk in the sea, yeah.
once I was open, I was a local Thank you.